Retired Saints, welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. This episode is entitled, Know Your Enemy, Satan. Now, because of the enormous content, I have turned this episode into a six-part series. Initially, it was a five-part series, but I have since added more content. It is essential that when you read the Bible, you first know when God is talking to you and who your enemy is. You have to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. Unfortunately, many Christians don't know when God is talking. This is the reason so many Christians are suffering. They are allowing Satan to lead them, deceive them, and teach them in the word of God. This second message is called lie number two. If you go to church, you don't need to study the Bible. That is a no, no. So get your pen and paper and put on your learning hat. This is an eye-opening, life-changing series. So sit back and enjoy. All right, let's get into it. Now, on the previous episode, we talked about the existence of Satan. I think uh, during that message, we all know Satan does exist. Not because I say he does, because the Lord Jesus Christ says he does, because the apostles says he does, and the almighty God says he does. Now, today's message, we are going to talk about if you go to church, do you need to study the Bible? Now, many times, especially if a person has come from a traditional or a religious background, um, a, an organization that did not teach uh, faith, did not teach the fullness of the gospel, did not teach the word of God, they, they will come into a new faith-based teaching church and, you know, they are ready to, to, to sit down and, and uh, listen to the choir and, and listen to the preacher and prepare to go to Sunday brunch after the service. Uh, they see everyone around them pick up, pick up a Bible and follow the teacher and preacher in the Bible. And, and they basically just look like a fish out of water because they had come out of a religious organization that really simply didn't um, ask the members of the church to read from the Bible. You know, um, I don't think it's that individual's fault until they hear the truth and then they decide to reject the truth because what they have been taught over the years is whatever the pastor says or the preacher or the teacher says from the pulpit, you just follow that. And I will tell you that is a dangerous place to be in because in most cases, the preacher may not have even read the Bible. You know, he may know what the denomination, the seminary and the tradition say about a particular subject, but he may not know what God has to say about that subject. Uh, the preacher is just as human as you, you know, which means he may give you the wrong information. Because what he says and what God says can be completely different. So let me give you an example 
of, of, of what I mean. I gave this example before, but in less detail. I'm going to give it in more detail today. It may be extreme, but um, it, it will give you an indication as to why it is very important that you read the Bible and you test what is being taught to you from that pulpit. I mentioned before that a very good friend of mine who is a world-renowned minister today, um, years ago, remember the Jim Jones, the Guyana tragedy? Well, my friend and another friend of his attended a um, revival that Jim Jones was um, facilitating in Los Angeles. This was years ago. Um, I initially, when I talked about it, I think it was during the series, uh, new covenant with better promises. I mentioned that, you know, they traveled to, to Guyana in this village, but no, it, it wasn't, it was in Los Angeles. Um, they, Jim Jones had, had rented an auditorium. Well, uh, my two friends attended and it was packed. I mean, it was wall to wall people. And Jim Jones was sitting on the stage in a chair with dark shades on and the choir was singing. And all of a sudden a female jumped up and was praising God, you know, praise God, you know, thank you, Jesus, praise God. You know, sometimes the spirit hits you and you just got to praise him. Well, apparently that's what this female had done. Well, Jim Jones finally got up, walked to the mic and said, and I quote, according to uh, my, my, uh, my mentor, we won't have none of that in here. You have to hear me. You have to listen to me and follow my teaching. Now, this was the biggest red flag any human being should have that will let them know you are in the wrong place. Now, when they heard this, because it was two of them, and I don't want to promote them, but it was two of them, two males. They said, what? You mean to tell me we can't praise God in here? We, we can't thank Jesus, our Lord and Savior? So it was at that time they got up and left out of the service. Now, we have to check out what people say to us from that pulpit. That's what this message is about today. This is why you need to study the Bible. Now, the Apostle John warns us in 1 John 4 and 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, this is the biggest warning you can get from the Bible. Now, in order to test the spirits, we need a guide with which to test them. We do. That guide is the word of God, the Bible. If you remove the Bible, you have nothing to measure by. Absolutely nothing. We can't exclude the Bible. It's like when you buy, and this is a simple illustration. If you buy one of these fancy uh, vacuum cleaners, I mean so fancy you don't know how to operate it you have to look at the manual. It teaches us how to operate that new machine. You cannot 
go and get a manual from a toaster to learn how to operate the vacuum cleaner. It is no different from the word of God. You have to compare the word of God to the Bible. That's why the Bible is here. So we won't be be deceived. A lot of people of God's people was deceived back in the biblical days. And you know who was uh, deceiving them? The priest. That's why God did away with the priest. That's one of the reasons he did away with the priest because the priest was so corrupt. Read Hosea. That's all you have to do is read it for yourself and, and God will tell you how corrupt they were. And one of the reasons why they were going to get uh, do away with them, God says it's in the Bible he was going to do away with them. But a lot of people are ignoring the truth. Now, there is no way the Holy Spirit will say, you don't need the Bible. He gives us only things based on the word of God. And everything God tells the Holy Spirit to give us is based directly on the Bible. There is no doubt that God uses men to proclaim the gospel, but you have to test the spirits that is behind what the man is saying. I need to say that again. You have to test the spirits that is behind what the man is saying. The only way you will know if what he is saying is true is by the word of God. That's it. Even when you cannot initially understand what someone is saying or teaching, the basis for your accepting or rejecting it should be the word of God. You should only reject what a preacher or a teacher is saying is if the word of God is contrary to what they are saying. That's the basis in which you should reject it. If you decide to hear the truth and it can be confirmed in scripture and you decide to reject it, you're rejecting God. You're not rejecting that minister and you're on your own, buddy. Now, the Holy Spirit should be, should, should be the witness to you as to whether or not what a minister is saying is right. The Holy Spirit should be able to tell you if what they're saying is right. The word will act as a bridge for that revelation. Now, in fact, I consistently encourage people to check out what I am saying by checking the word for themselves. Now, that way they will know that what I am saying is true. That's the only way you can know is if you compare it to the Bible. Now, the bottom line is the devil wants you to stay ignorant. That's the bottom line. He don't want you to know the truth. Now, he does not want you to learn what God has available for you through Jesus Christ. I told you before, uh, number one purpose for the devil first is to make you think he doesn't exist because that way you will blame God for everything going on in your life. Number two, he want to get you away from Jesus because Jesus is the savior. Okay. He does not want you to know what rights you have and, and, and your rights come through Jesus Christ. Our victory comes through Jesus Christ. Now, Satan wants you one way. He wants you to be whipped, defeated, and ignorant. So he can keep messing your life up. So he can keep turning it upside down. So he can come in and wreak havoc in your life. The only way you will get out of that rut is by studying the word for yourself. Now, yes, you need to attend church where your spiritual needs are being met. Yes, you should go to a, a Bible study. You can have Bible study at your house. And yes, it is a good idea to listen to certain messages on, on television programs where they are teaching the truth, rightly dividing the word of truth. However, and this is a big however, if you do not check out what they are saying by measuring it by the word of God in the Bible, and then continue to build on that foundation by studying the word on your own, 
you will get very little benefit out of it. And that's truth. That is as honest as this Bible and myself can be. Now, I want you to look at what Paul says in, in 2 Timothy 2.15. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The fact that this verse says rightly dividing indicates you can wrongly divide if you, if you don't study. The only reason you use rightly is to distinguish from wrongly. Now we are told in effect to, to be diligent. The original King James Bible puts it in even more blunt, uh, bluntly. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. I um, read from the new King James, uh, but the traditional King James says, study to show thyself approved unto God. They both mean the same thing. It's just worded differently. Now, very few people realize there's a difference between reading the Bible and studying it. Now, when you study, you go over the material again and again until it is virtually a part of you. You cross-reference. You look up the meaning of words. That's what you do. That's how you study. You know, God has revealed himself and made himself fully available to us through his word. It is, it, it, his word is actually an encyclopedia of facts a history book on the subject of, of Christianity. And it's a, a biography of himself. Yeah, it's the biography of God. Now, therefore, to study God's word is to be in touch with God himself because God is in his word. You should study, first of all, to please God rather than people, okay? Second, you should realize that, that you, as a believer, need to have a workman's equipment with which to do your work. And you are a worker, not a vacationer or someone on strike or sabbatical. By studying the word of God, you become equipped with the knowledge of God, knowledge that is imperative to being able to live the victorious Christian life that Christ died for you to have. Now, 2 Timothy says we should each be a workman who does not need to be ashamed. That implies that there are workmen who are already ashamed. That is the implication. You know, who, they are whipped and defeated in life. But, but who, who do not need to be that way? Who? If you study the word and apply it to your life, you will not be ashamed. The enemy is going to put pressure on your life with the, ex, with, with, with the express purpose of shaming you. Wrecking your testimony and keeping you in defeat. But once you make the word a part of your life through study, you do not have to put up with his antics. He ain't got put up with the devil, baby. He was defeated. Now we need to learn about the difference between a statement of truth uh, versus just truly stated. Now, another interesting point is stated for us in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, the fact that all scripture is profitable for instruction in righteousness ties in directly with what is written in 2 Timothy 2.15. If you do not take instruction in righteousness, how can you live the life of righteousness that God expects you to live? 
how can you expect to, to become complete or, or mature in the things of God if you never learn about spiritual matters? Because remember, God is spirit, and those that worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth. Now notice something else here. Paul says that all scripture, the whole word of God, is given by inspiration of God. It does not say all scripture is inspired by God. It doesn't say that. There's a very important difference in those two terms. In other words, everything in the Bible is not a statement of truth. However, everything in the Bible is truly stated. And yes, I'm going to explain that. Okay. Now, before you jump to conclusions, let me give you an illustration to, to, to prove my point. Now, let us say, and I'm going to use myself as an example. I also own a nonprofit organization called the non Lack Corporation. It is, I uh, created this organization to help the poor. Because see, every ministry should be helping the poor. Okay. And I have a board. Let's say if I have a board meeting, meeting, and I am the president of that. I'm the president and CEO of that, that corporation. Um, let's say we have a board meeting and um, the secretary is recording minutes. And I make this, the comment, um, all birds have dog tails. And all uh, ducks have uh, bird eyes or something foolish like that. But I made the statement, okay? Now the secretary takes all this down and the next year we have another meeting, you know. And as president, I called the meeting to order and asked the secretary to read the, uh, the meeting, uh, the minutes of the last uh, meeting. Now, when she repeats what I said, that uh, all uh, birds have dog tails, you know, and, and, and all um, uh, dogs have bird eyes or something uh, to that effect. Now, what she said and recorded, I did say it, Okay. Uh, what I said in the meeting, it is not a statement of truth, but I did say it. We know good and well, all birds don't have dog tails. All dogs don't have bird. Eyes. We know that's not true, but I said it. The truth of the matter is I said it, but what I said was not true. So that's how you have to view the Bible. You got to rightly divide these scriptures. Okay. If you do not know the difference between what is truly stated and a statement of truth, and how to rightly divide one from the other, you may take something that is truly stated out of the Bible and try to apply it to your life as though it were a statement of truth. And then you'll find yourself in a whole nother situation. Now, Satan will take the very thing you took out of the Bible, wrap it around our neck and use it to kill and destroy everything you have. God will not be in a position to do anything about it. And you will think you are doing right. Mm -hmm. You will actually think you're doing right. The fact that many people use what happened in the book of Job typifies what I mean. Now, in the first chapter of Job, and I taught a whole series on Job, why did God allow Job to suffer? And I think I'm going to do it again with even more content because um, the story of Job, people need to know why God allowed him to suffer. It was a meaning behind that. But um, I don't want to digress too much about that, but I am going to use Job as an illustration. Now, the devil has brought all sorts of challenges against Job. He did. He stole Job's cattle, his sheep, and all he had from a material standpoint. Then he killed Job's children. After all this, the Bible says the following. Listen, 
Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, thank God for the faithfulness of Job, because he never turned his back on, on uh, God. We need to thank God that when his world literally came apart, he could keep his, his composure and worship the Lord instead of going to pieces. Now that says something about the man and his commitment to the Lord. However, what Job said is not a statement of truth. What we just read is not a statement of truth. It was truly said, stated because he said it, you know, because it is recorded in the Bible, but it should not be construed as a statement of truth because look God did not take anything from Job just as he does not take from his children today now because the Bible says that all the gifts of God are without repentance and that means without change God doesn't take anything from us and if you read the beginning of Job you will see it wasn't God who took anything from Job it was the devil now, in other words, they are irrevocable, the things that God gives us. And you can look in Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 29. Now, Satan took everything from Job, and he is stealing from Christians who do not know any better. They listen to preachers who do not rightly divide the word of God because preachers quote this in the pulpit. And another thing, God never spoke through Job, never spoke through Job. And I will teach that uh, to you and trust me, have supporting scripture when I do that story on why God allowed Job to suffer. Again, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, oh yes, it's, it's needed because you can't use Job and uh, say God is speaking. God never spoke through Job. You know, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, instead of checking things out for themselves, uh, these people in these religious organizations, these denominations, they figure, you know, you cannot fight God, consider the subject closed. This is a mistake. This is a huge mistake. People are falling because of this. Now you may say, but God permitted the devil to do all that to Job. That, that's right. That's correct. But what you may fail to realize is that God had to permit it. He gave Job and each of us a free will. Now, you may not understand this now, but when I do that um, message on the story of Job and why God allowed him to suffer, you'll understand, you'll get a clearer understanding. Now, permitting all those things to happen was Job's decision. Now, if Job allowed it, God had to permit it. Now, now listen to this. In fact, Job brought up, uh, Job brought what happened to him on himself. Yeah, yeah, he did. Now, Job says in, in Job chapter three, verse 25, listen to this. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. And Proverbs 18 and 21 tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit, meaning you will be the recipient of your words. That's what that means. That is a spiritual law. Because Job kept running off at the mouth about how scared he was, what he, what he was afraid of came to pass. Remember, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, so who, who put the fear in Job? Because it wasn't from God. You know, the Bible doesn't contradict itself, honey. No, it doesn't. Every scripture has a meaning. 
If God doesn't give you the spirit of fear, who, who gave Job that spirit of fear? It wasn't God. You know, we have free will and we are the instruments of God in terms of, of his word. Now, if we do not know how to use these tools or how to use the right tools, we will be victimized just like Job. There is such a thing as learning the wrong lesson from a situation. We need to be very careful that we learn the right lesson when we study the word of God, not the wrong one, okay? And I want you to pay attention to um, Acts 17 and 11. Go there, Acts 17 and 11, where um, these people were very diligent and they were very fair that when the apostles was telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what they did? Let me read Acts 17 and 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now, I can't stress this enough. It is your responsibility to search the scriptures. Now, going to some church or Bible study group that teaches the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter does not exonerate you from searching the scriptures for yourself. You can be sitting in a group of, uh, uh, of uh, friends and, and fellow uh, Christians, sisters and brothers, and y'all can be doing Bible study and can be learning wrong. Just like that, that statement I just made, that scripture I read out of Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job said it, but that's not true. God never takes anything from you. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Okay? This reason, uh, this is the reason we need to study the scriptures daily. It's shown uh, to us very clearly in the fourth chapter of Matthew. Listen to Matthew uh, 4 and 1 through 3. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to, to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, the tempter is Satan here, not God. It was the devil tempting Jesus, okay? Uh, now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, the devil used the same line with Adam in the Garden of Eden. Has God indeed said? That's what the devil was telling Adam, and, and he had God indeed said. The devil's primary objective is to get you to question God's word. The moment you do that, you enter into the realm of doubt and unbelief and you are completely vulnerable because doubt and unbelief means you don't have faith in God's word. You ain't trusting something. If you doubt it, you don't believe it. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Doubt and unbelief, faith cannot exist when you have doubt and unbelief in your mind, especially when it comes to the word of God. Now, the easiest way to keep from getting messed up is to do what the word says. The reason God tells you what to do is his word is not an attempt to run your life, but to keep you from getting into trouble. You know, I'm sure you, you will agree that uh, it is, is much easier by far to stay out of a bad situation than it is to get out of one once you get into one. Now, notice Jesus shows up, uh, shows us in the next verse, how to stay out of a bad situation. Look at Matthews four and four. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now you stay out of a bad situation by learning the word. 
living the word and standing on the word when Satan brings the floods of, of life against you? Oh yeah, you stand on the word. Now notice something extremely important in the next couple of verses, Matthew uh, four, five, and six. Look, then the devil took, took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He shall give, give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now here is the devil quoting scripture. Oh, but don't panic my sisters and brothers. That is why God tells us be diligent to present yourself approved to God a worker who does not need to be ashamed. That is why he tells us to study the scriptures daily. You have an enemy who knows and quotes the Bible. But look, he does not understand the revelation of the word of God, but he knows chapters and verses and he is counting on you not knowing. Oh yeah, the devil is counting on you not knowing. That's why he is so successful with a lot of Christians in causing them to stumble and fall every day because he knows the scriptures. And let me tell you, he can't read your mind. Don't let nobody fool. He can put stuff in your mind, but he can't read your mind. The devil don't know that what he planted in your mind was successful unless you act on it. He can look at your behavior and know you don't, you're not following the word of God. You're either purposely not following, following it or you hear it and reject it. He know because he see what you do. The devil will try to, to, to slip something by you that sounds so close to the truth that he hopes you will not be able to tell the difference. And that's what's happening today. You gotta rightly divide these scriptures. You had better know the word, you know, so you can do what Jesus did in the next verse when the enemy tries to that strategy on, on him. And, and, and if he tried on us, look at Matthews four and seven. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now have the sword of the spirit ready. That's what we need to do. The devil came to Jesus three times in the fourth chapter of Matthew. Each time Jesus, he, he said, and, and he threw at the devil, it is written. Then quoting what was written and the devil could not deal with it. See the devil, I told you before, the devil can't deal with deep, the word of God. He can deal with yours. Yours don't mean nothing. He can't deal with the word of God. The devil himself. He will deal with your human speculation, okay? Now, when you start saying, well, I think, the devil will whip you every way but loose. When you start doubting God's word, he, oh, that's where he, he get a foothold. It's like you, you got your foot in the door just holding it open. You know, that is why God tells you to put on the armor of God, the whole armor, and, 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 and does not ever tell you to take it off. He tells us through Paul in Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Oh, yes, the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, if you look carefully at this list, you will notice that all but one piece of the armor is for defensive purposes. 
They don't, uh, the, the, the only piece to be used for offense, per, offense uh, purposes is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. We also have the name of Jesus, but the name of Jesus works in line with the word, not in place of it. In other words, the word of God is the only weapon you have. You do not walk around saying, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You have to say something in Jesus' name. Now, when you stand on the word of God and make a declaration based on what is written in the word, in Jesus' name, it carries power. Oh, yes, you attach Jesus' name to God's word. That's where the power is. And you are supposed to use that power wherever the enemy tries to attack you. Look at Hosea 6. Uh, chapter four and verse six, it tells us my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Uh-huh. This verse does not say my people are destroyed because they do not go to church, even though you should go, but it doesn't say you are destroyed because you don't go to church or my people are destroyed because they do not pay their tithes. Uh, it says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, now knowledge about God, his way and his will, because they do not take the time to get the knowledge from his word. They don't, people don't, uh, 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 you know, if they don't take the knowledge to get the, um, knowledge from God's word, they are not taking the time to learn how to use their, their weapon and they are getting cut down in droves. Oh yes. Oh, Christians falling everywhere. Just, just shaming, shaming the Lord every day. You look on TV, on uh, television shows, uh, people you are around, people you talk to, they, I mean, the word Jesus will come out of their mouth, the Lord God will come out of their mouth, but they don't have a clue as to what they're saying. And definitely, if you look at their lifestyles, they definitely don't know the lifestyle that God wants us to live. Let's look at Ephesians 6 and 12. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We do not have an enemy, but he, look, I'm sorry, we do have an enemy, but he is a spiritual enemy, not a flesh and blood enemy. Our enemy is not with people. I don't care how we see people or how we view people. It's the devil that's the problem. That's all. We need to pray for people. We can pray for sinners. Hate the sin, beloved the sinner. But God forgives sin. But our fight is against the devil. Remember when uh, Jesus was on his way to Calvary and Peter stepped in and said, far be it unto you, Lord. You know, G Peter had no clue what he was doing. And Jesus turned around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Remember that? It was Peter who said it, but it, God knew it was the devil who had gotten in Peter. Oh, yes, the devil can get in some of God's chosen people if you allow it. Now, Peter made the statement out of ignorance. Peter had no clue what Jesus was getting ready to do. He was going to die for the sins of the entire world. And Peter was trying to stop him. But God turned around. Yes, I say God, because God was in Jesus. Remember, remember, in him was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We're talking about Jesus and we are completing him, by the way. I did a message on that. But Jesus turned around and said, get thee behind me, Satan. That's who our fight is with. Mm -hmm. Our warfare is a spiritual warfare, which is why Paul tells us to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This warfare manifests in the physical realm as sickness, disease, and other challenges. But the root of the warfare is spiritual. 
The more you can get the word into you, the more the word can come out of your mouth. And the more you can stand against the issues of life, this warfare brings against you. As Jesus points out in Mark eleven twenty three. 23, excuse me, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be, will be done. He should have whatever he says. You know, it is very important to know the word is, is, is real and to have confidence that it is the word of God. You need to have confidence. You need to know it's God's word. Now, if you don't have that confidence, you won't say it. And if you don't say it, it will never work for you. Look at Paul adds in, in uh, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. Now that is something I say at the end of all my messages because my ministry is based on building your faith. Okay. Now notice this verse does not say who you have to hear the word from. You can hear it from yourself. The more you hear it, the more it will build up in your faith. And the more your faith is built up, the more likely it is for whatever you say to come to pass. That is a spiritual law, spiritual. Now, Paul tells us in first Timothy six and 12, fight the good fight of faith. That's what Paul tells us. That is the fight we are constantly in. It is true that as far as personalities are involved, Satan and his demons are the enemy, but it is our faith that is up for grabs. That is what the devil is after your faith. And that is all he is interested in because he knows that if, if he can separate us from our faith, he can defeat us. If we can keep our faith by building it up with the word of God and by using it, we will defeat him. Okay. Do you see how this cycle works? I want you to get this saints. Do you see how the cycle works? The word faith is victory without the word. You will not have faith. And if you do not have faith, you will not have victory in your life, in any aspect of your life. That is why the church by and large has been whipped and defeated for most of the past 2000 years because the devil has cleverly crept. He has cleverly kept the word out of the average church. Mm -hmm. How he do that? But people not reading the Bible. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, not ours. You know, you got to get the word into you. Hear the word all day. You got to live, eat, sleep, and drink the word. You know, you got to constantly expose yourself to it. You know, it, it, it'll get into your spirit. You got to allow it to get into your spirit. That is why the Bible says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Hearing, hearing, hearing by the word. Okay. It is something you must do continually. Now, remember the parable of the sower, how as soon as the seed was planted, the fowls of the air and uh, would swoop down and devour it. Well, Satan continually tries to do just that. As soon as the seed of the word is planted, Satan is trying to pluck it up, you know, by discouraging you and then get you to question it. Well, is God really saying that? Look, he starts harassing you and by whatever means he can think of. He'll try to steal that word from you. He don't want, cause that's how you defeat him. You know, we therefore have to continue driving the word into our spirits until it germinates and takes root so we can receive and hold on to the truth of the word of God. God wants you to win against the enemy. 
not lose. And he has given you everything you need to beat the enemy. That is why he calls it the good fight of faith, because you have every opportunity to lord that victory over the devil. That is provided you do your part. That includes building up your faith, using it and studying the word of God to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. These are the things you must do on every day, every hour, every minute. Look, you need to go to sleep with faith, wake up with faith, walk through your daily routine routines with faith. You do and start living by faith. Now, as the Bible tells us, you will see the difference between victory and defeat become increasingly easy in your life. If you just walk by faith, the just shall live by faith. Now, I want to stop here and just stay tuned for a brief message. Wow, praise God for that powerful message. I hope you enjoyed message number two of this six part series entitled line number two. If you go to church, you don't need to study the Bible. I think we covered enough information in this message for you to know that is a lie. If you have any questions about this episode, please send your questions or comments to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to support this podcast financially, please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and show your support by contributing an amount of your choice. Part three of this six-part series is entitled, Line Number Three, No Matter What, Thank God for Everything, You Will Be Surprised. Now, until next time, saints, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.